Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. I want to give a bit of an update before we jump into the message uh, concerning the mission trip that we just did. And, and thank you all for, for the donating generously. We were able to meet our, our goal. Uh, the final $3,000 came in at 8 p.m. on Tuesday, and I had to send the money out on Wednesday. And so it was just like in the nick of time. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 he is so good, isn't it? And so just real quick, if you've been following my adventures on, on Facebook, you've probably seen some of these. But for those of you who may not uh, uh, have heard, Mark, Pastor Mark and I went to Mexico along with Pastor Jerry from Three Rivers, a pastor from uh, the Upper Peninsula, Renee, her and her husband, pastor Father's Heart Fellowship up there, and a member of her church, David, <clears throat> to minister at, uh, we ended up ministering at four different churches, two on each Sunday, and then we did two separate schools, um, uh, the uh, first one being uh, a fire school, which is our core values, and the second one being church planning school. It was the most um, intensive, uh, exhausting mission trip I have ever done uh, because it was every day, uh, six to eight hours, uh, sometimes 12 hours. We were gone out of the room 12 hours almost every day, but six to eight hours of ministry. But just to give you an idea, this is where we were. This is uh, a picture of you can see of Mexico. Mexico City's right there. This is uh, the Gulf of Mexico. This is the Pacific Ocean. That's Acapulco, just two hours. We were actually two hours. They're like, two hours on that road, you're in Acapulco. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so on the other side, uh, Veracruz. And so where that red dot is, is the main base. That's uh, um, due south of uh, Mexico City, and that's where we bought the, the land. Uh, actually, it's actually uh, a parcel of land with a, a building. It needs some, some work on it. <laughs> but they were like, $2,000, we can get it, make it work. Uh, buildings are different down there. <laughs> you know, we have this saying, church without walls. Uh, uh, like getting the church out of the wall. Like that's, how they, they really do it down there. Uh, their churches don't have walls. <laughs> but we can't do that up here because we'd all die. Um, so this is the first church that we ministered to. And dirt floors. <clears throat> but man, they had, they had incredible worship, man. They were so passionate. For Jesus, they were so hungry. They ended up filling up uh, uh, by the end of uh, by the middle of the worship service that we'd just gotten there. And uh, one lady we prayed for, and she went boom right down on the ground. You know, she's that, that's not a courtesy fall when it's a dirt floor <laughs> and someone falls down when you're, you're praying for her, and she got set free. I forget what it was. Uh, Someone else is actually praying. I pray for someone else. Did. This is Josh, who uh, leads the ministry uh, in Mexico and, um, and Kenya. <clears throat> he has 70 churches in, in Kenya, and uh, 5,000 of it is going to build, uh, uh, finish a training center in Kenya. And this is the gate to the property. And behind that gate is the, 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 the warehouse-type structure that's going to be used as the main meeting space. Um, but because you know, we, we saw plenty of healings, plenty of miracles, but uh, we didn't quite have enough faith to get three lawyers uh, t around the table. 
Maybe it had something to do with lawyers, but we won't, we won't go there. So we weren't actually able to sign the papers to get entered into the building, and it's just the way it is, legalities. So uh, that is the property. Uh, we did, he's already got the down payment on, it's just a matter of the, the signing all the paperwork. We did uh, intercede <coughs> and pray for the uh, space, and they had a, a peg, a stake, that had been prayed for by um, uh, Heidi Baker, Hadi and Rollins ministry in Africa. Some of you know a very powerful ministry that anointed this stake and uh, sent it to drive into the ground. So we drove the stake into the ground as a prophetic act, as an act of faith, uh, declaring this property for the Lord. To uh, the left is a former hotel that they are also raising money to purchase. It's $100,000 for that. And it's a 14-unit uh, that they want to use as residency for uh, people coming and receiving training. And to the right is actually a much nicer, uh, uh, either, I don't know, they said it, they weren't sure if it was a condo or a hotel, but it's a multi-unit uh, with a really nice pool. And, that, and their vision is to purchase all three. <clears throat> and so, and the guy who lives, Arturo, who lives in that city, um, uh, was sharing that he had actually had his uh, sights on this building. God had highlighted this building for years. He had been praying for this. And God had recently told him specifically, purchase the middle section first. And so they were. he was really believing for this. And then Josh shared with him, uh, you know, our, our goal to help them uh, get a ministry training facility and it just all lined up perfectly. And so I, I just wish you could have heard Arturo, who's, who lives there and has been laboring there for so many years, uh, the, the amazement and joy in his voice when all of a sudden, I mean, it went from this is just a dream to, hey, we own it. You know, it's paid for, right? You paid for it. We paid for it. Uh, and uh, they can now uh, get it up the feed. It's got plumbing which is huge down there. It's like rare. <laughs> and that trench is a new power line, so it's got uh, utilities. All right, so this, uh, uh, moving on, this is um, in a different city. This is the fire school, really well attended, um, uh, training our fire values. <clears throat> and that's Mark up there teaching. You can barely see him. And he was just teaching his great uh, session, did a great job on, on soaking, which they had never heard of, which is just contemplatory, contemplative prayer something we encourage you to take time and rest. They, they'd only, you know, the only type of prayer that they knew is kind of the old-fashioned striving prayer where it's, you know, pound the gates of heaven. And it's like, it's okay just to rest in God's presence. And, and he just unpacked this. And then they just took it after every session. We took time to, to do it, right, to do whatever we taught on. And I'm telling you, something happened during this soaking session it was amazing. God just showed up. At one point, this lady here in the red, up there in the top right, there's Mark back there. <laughs> I've never seen her. Either. She's like, I see Jesus! She had an open vision of Jesus. Okay, She just went, it was real. Right? She, was going, she was like reaching for him. She's like, Jesus is right here! Jesus is right here! I see Jesus. Of course, she was saying it in Spanish, so I was translating it for us. Uh, <clears throat> and, and when she just was crying out with all of her heart, and then everybody's experienced uh, you know, an increase in expectation, it was, it was really powerful. And I'm soaking. 
I taught on generational curses, how to get free from stuff that you get from your parents, your grandparents, whether it be alcoholism, depression. And uh, to me, that's just a basic teaching. I've, I've been teaching it for years, but uh, they've never heard it. And this, this man is about, he's actually probably about my age, <clears throat> maybe a little younger, came up and he was sobbing. He said, for years and years, I've been trying to find an answer. So I even went to a priest, and, and, and the priest said, get over it, you know, and he'd not had it. And he says, finally, you gave me the answer. I understand now what's been holding me. We just sobbing. And that was one of the many times where I said, you know, you know just if, if, if you were the only fruit from this trip, it would be worth it. Um, and it was powerful. And then we did the church planning school, which they plastered my picture all over the place. <laughs> I'm like, really, guys, come on. These posters were everywhere, and they had these giant banners. Uh, and that was uh, that's another church. This is their, their main church in, in Hula. Uh Again, without walls, 100 degrees. Uh, um, it was so stinking hot. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, did uh, two days of training for pastors and leaders. That's the team uh, afterwards. So had a great time. <clears throat> and... Um, Really happy that we could do that and really established a, a lot of great relationships. One thing that was exciting for me is done a lot of missions, but um, because the cultural divide is less in between here in Mexico than like between here in Japan or here in Asia, uh-huh, they're much closer in, in culture. It's easier to communicate, uh, not only language-wise, but in, in other ways. And so we saw a lot more fruit. Um, people were readier. Uh, what we're doing in Japan is takes decades, and we're going to continue investing in that because I love the people there, and we've seen fruit, we've seen salvations. Saw a lot of salvations in this trip, a lot of healings. Um, <clears throat> I can't go into all the details; it takes the whole service. But uh, definitely uh, intent on on returning. Uh, we have open invitation to to go back. Just a four hour flight from uh, Chicago. It took us uh, about 16 hours to get home because of delays. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's a four-hour flight from Chicago to, to Mexico City and then a two-hour drive uh, from there. So it's, it's really feasible that we can take teams down and, and do all kinds of stuff. They do everything. Street evangelism, uh, healing ministry, conferences like this, uh, door-to-door stuff, all kinds of stuff. Um, so... Continue to be praying for that. All right, we want to continue with our message series on the inward journey. And, and uh, one thing, just, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's, a, there's something that John Arnott talks about a lot. He's the head of our, our network of churches, and I've heard him speak on the three journeys countless times. He mainly just talks about the inward journey. But one of the points he made that really challenged me, and I, I want to just, I think I've said this before, I, I want to remind you, is that many Christians have a, uh, a sense of a false sense of humility when they say, you know, it's not about me. And there's like this heavy emphasis in the church that says, you know, it's not about me. It's, it's, it's all for Jesus' sake. It's all for Jesus. It's all for God. And anything that's like for you is almost like, almost not. Christian or not holy or selfish. <clears throat> and you know, there, there's something just not true about that. 
Because Jesus didn't come to earth for Jesus' sake. All right? Jesus came to earth for your sake. All right? And in fact, everything recorded in Scripture was done for your sake, for our sake, for the sake of humanity. God so loved the world. Okay? And that's not just the planet, that's the people. That he gave his most valuable thing, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him should not perish. So everything that God's done, everything that Jesus does, is for your sake. And for you to say, oh, it's not about me, is really a major misunderstanding of everything Jesus has done. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying we are to be self-focused, but we need to understand that we have to get the stuff in us first in order to be able to accomplish what God's called for us. We're, we're to become like God, and God does everything for others because He's fully self-sufficient, all right? He has all His needs met. But if we're walking around lacking and in need because we haven't met our needs, we haven't gone to the... Uh, to the Lord and received. It's all about receiving. Uh, maybe if we just don't understand that, hey, you know what? God's really concerned about you. you know? And once you get everything that God has for you, then you have something to get that really makes a difference. Does that make sense? All right? So it's, it's okay. In fact, it's really important to understand that God has stuff for you and God wants you to lay hold of it and embrace it. And he wants your life to be changed and transformed by it. And in fact, he's, he's, he, he left heaven and came to earth for that purpose, right? To give you eternal life, to give you life more abundantly, you know? And so walking in that truth, believing it and, and living it is an important part of being a Christian. So that's why we're taking four months to talk about the inward journey, both about the process and how to get free. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about freedom from sin. Uh, Anthony talked about freedom and identity. Uh, Marilee talked about uh, steps, practical things to get free from sin. I want to talk today about a very important part of this journey, which is sanctification and, and grace. Okay, <clears throat> And a true understanding, true grace. How many remember the, the movie True Grit? <laughs> My movie references are different than Mark's. <laughs> true grit, you know. Uh, well, true grace, what grace really is. And, and I love this verse in Titus. It's Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. We're just going to read it, talk through it, explain it. Um, because this tells us what grace is all about. And we hear grace uh, constantly in the church. We hear uh, the message of grace, we're saved by grace. But if you don't understand what grace is, you can misapply it. <clears throat> so it's an important thing. So let's just read it. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It means right now. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify 
uh, every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. All right, a great uh, explanation of what grace is and what the purpose of grace. We're just going to talk through the different parts of this verse. Um, grace of God that brings salvation. <clears throat> uh, one definition of the word grace is the merciful kindness by which God, exerting His holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. I really like it. old from an old commentary, uh, old lexicon, a dictionary of the Greek into the English explanation. But it unpacks grace uh, and and helps us understand that grace is a lot more than just unmerited favor, which you may have learned in a catechism class. Uh, you know, it's like um, you know, uh, grace being something you didn't earn. Well, yeah, it's something we didn't earn, but it's more than that, okay? It's actually something that empowers us to live differently, all right? It's the power of God exerting His holy influence. So, if God, you know, have you ever had to push something? Have you ever had to push a car out of a snowbank, right? <coughs> you know? Uh, and there's a, only so much power each one of us have. and get a bunch of guys behind a car and you push just about anything out of a snowbank, right? But think about God exerting His holy influence. He can move anything. Right? He can move a sinner out of sin. All right? That's grace. All right? It's not a free pass to live in sin or to live selfish. All right? And that's the big misunderstanding that people have in the church. Okay? And it, it goes to different degrees. Like right now, it's actually really popular. There's books being written. There's whole movements within the church that says grace means it doesn't matter. Sin, sin, we shouldn't even talk about sin in the church because sin is paid for. Why bother? And the next step to that, I actually know of a pastor. I was in the meeting where we confronted him because he had kind of embraced uh, 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 this idea and uh, it was not. It was. It was in a different country, actually. <clears throat> and uh, saying, "No, this is that's a misunderstanding of the word grace. It's not what grace means." And he stuck to his guns and he said, "No, that's what we believe." And so they're like, "Well, that's not how we teach grace." And, and we needed to part our ways. He's no longer part of our our, our network because uh, he embraced what we call a hyper grace message, <clears throat> where sin doesn't matter anymore. I have since heard, that was only three years ago, I think, that not only did they stop teaching that you had to uh, uh, you know, allow grace to move you out of sin and into righteousness, and, that, and they, not only did they stop teaching that biblical doctrine and, and teaching this hyper-grace message, but they have, uh, the next step is that, well, everyone ends up in heaven anyway, so, so why even bother evangelizing people? Because eventually God just works it all out. And the next step they made, which actually shocked a lot of people that knew him, because this person was a, a pastor and led a, a very successful church for decades, is that they, they renounced their Christianity. They actually 
uh, repented of everything they used to teach, which was the Bible. Okay. Yeah. And like, so this, I was in this meeting where they were like, they're no longer Christians. They actually communicate that they have renounced that. So I don't know what they are now. <laughs> uh, but this is the, the problem. If you walk up down that road, the logical end of that thinking is that you end up disagreeing with God's Word. Okay? Grace is not a free pass to sin. You know? Oh, don't worry, it doesn't really matter. It's okay for me to do this or that. It doesn't matter what sin is. Uh, uh, because God's grace, God's loving. No, that's not what it means. It's the power to resist sin. It's the power to overcome sin. Okay? Grace is not a spiritual anesthetic uh, that eliminates us from the pain or consequence of sin. You know, it's not a painkiller that makes you uh, not feel or experience the consequence. That's not the purpose of grace. Okay? Grace is actually the antidote. It's a much better way to think of it. Not an not a an, 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 how do you say it? Not a painkiller. <laughs> it's an antidote, all right, uh, that frees us, that heals us, that uh, delivers us from the poison of sin. And sin is a poison. And if you take a little bit of poison, you're still going to get a little bit of a damage. And some some people walk around. And take a little poison here, a little poison here, a little poison here, a little poison here. You think every little little dose isn't really going to hurt them, but eventually the toxic effect of it builds up in their life until they're dead on the inside. Okay? That is the consequence of sin, any sin in any form. Grace comes to give the antidote. We're all sinners. We've all sinned, so we need the antidote to, to repair the damage that's been done but more, even more than that, we need the deliverance, the power, the holy influence to resist uh, sin. Grace is that power <clears throat> that enables us to eliminate sin from our lives, to produce godliness, and to free us from judgment. Okay? Again, it's not just a, a free pass and when we get to heaven, there's grace so we'll get into heaven. No, grace is for now. All right, <clears throat> We need it now. And it says that it has, past tense, appeared to all men. This is, this is a message that the Bible uh, and that, that has been communicated clearly. Grace is universally displayed in the life of Jesus. Uh, it's apparent to all. That means it's out there for everyone to see. All right? It's not some secret hidden knowledge. And this particularly, when it was written, was... was addressing a, a, a group of people that were uh, teaching a lie, that you had to know secret truths, secret sayings, secret handshakes, <laughs> secret symbols. Um, <clears throat> and you still see this in, in movies and, and cultural things, but there's still people that believe this, uh, that it's secret knowledge that actually sets people free. Uh, uh, I was... Somewhat surprised, not really, uh, but in Mexico, <clears throat> uh, a lot of people have demonic issues because when someone gets sick, they don't go to the doctor, they go to the witch doctor, like witch doctor, okay? It's everywhere. Believe it or not, they do the same thing in Japan, uh, a highly technical society 
more high-tech than we are. But they go to witch doctors. I'm like, really? He's, oh, yeah. Every, every village, every city, in, every neighborhood, like in a big city, will have a local witch doctor <clears throat> because their culture is so ingrained uh, in that way of thinking. Same thing in Mexico. And so if you go to a witch doctor and, and you do some witchcraft, then that just invites in a power, more powerful demonic influence. Uh, and that's not the way to freedom. That's not the way God operates. He openly declares this is Jesus. Jesus the message of Jesus has been declared now for uh, 2,000 years. All right? Now, saying that this has been revealed or has appeared to all men doesn't mean everyone's heard it or received or understand it personally. Okay? But it does mean that this has been being proclaimed openly uh, everywhere the gospel is preached. All right? And uh, believe it or not, uh, it has been preached in, in nearly the whole world. All right, in one way or another, missionaries going forward, uh, uh, and they continue to find. <clears throat> they just discovered, I, I don't know if you saw this, I, uh, the ISIS uh, soldiers were digging tunnels to hide from the uh, uh, you know, people that were uh, fighting the, the free, I think it was the city of Mosul. And ISIS has been destroying these ancient artifacts, <clears throat> but in digging tunnels to hide from the armies that are advancing on them, coalition armies, they actually uncovered, um, I forget how old it was, uh, I think it was over 2,000 years old, um, uh, um, a plaque uh, stating that this was the site, the burial place of the prophet Jonah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it was in the city, it was in Nineveh, right? Was it what? Nineveh, right. Uh, <clears throat> and they found that, and so here we have another uh, testimony in archaeological record that uh, that uh, reinforces the message of the Bible. All right, so um, <clears throat> this verse and this is kind of the the meat of what I want to get to uh, uh, shows us um, there's a there's a threefold influence that grace is supposed to have on us as Christians. So three things that's clearly identified in this in this passage that grace empowers us or teaches. The word is actually in there. Grace teaches us. That means it empowers us. It's God's holy influence enabling us to do these three things. One is actively resisting ungodliness. Right? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Right? This, is, this is what grace does. It gives us the power... And it teaches us the importance to deny ungodliness. Anything that, what is ungodliness? Anything that's not like God. God is good. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is kind. God is pure. God is holy. God is just. God is true. You know, anything that's contrary to the nature of God, uh, we are to deny that. <clears throat> and worldly lust. Those are the things in the world that are attractive. Lust just means desirable, okay? And so if there's stuff in the world that, oh, that looks really good, what well, doesn't it sound like what Eve experienced in the garden? Oh, that looks really good. That looks tasty, you know? Yeah, lust of life, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But what, grace teaches us to deny that uh, and to turn away from it, okay? So imagine 
you know, it's late at night and you hear something at your door and you go, what the heck's going on? And you look at the door and there's someone trying to break in. You can do everything in your power to keep that person out, right? You brace the door and they get past that, you're going to stand in their way because you want to protect your family, you want to protect your home. All right? And sin and ungodliness is constantly trying to get into your door. All right? There's this, this, we live in a world that's cursed and filled with sin, filled with ungodliness, and it's constantly seeking ways, little openings where it can sneak in. Grace empowers us and teaches us to deny. No, block, good defense, right? Best offense is a strong defense. We're going to not let that in. We're going to turn away from that. Remember God's advice to Cain. All right? I don't know if, you've, if, you, if you haven't read this for a while. Read the story again. Uh, this is before he murdered Abel. But after he was disappointed because his offering wasn't accepted. God said, if you do well. Listen, Cain wasn't rejected from God's presence. God came and talked to Cain and said, hey, guy, this is how you get out of this. Right? He said, if you do right, if you do well, you respond. He said, you'll be accepted. Will you not be accepted? God was like, I want to accept you. I just want to teach you a lesson here. But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So we all have doors in our lives. Right? What we see, what we hear, what we allow, the door, what we allow into our life. Right outside that door, sin is trying to sneak in. And you need to go, no! You only let godliness in. You let goodness in. And you actively receive. Uh, turning away from sin implies turning toward the godly influence. So you understand what is ungodly, turn away from it, and intentionally turn towards what is godly. So resisting ungodliness and worldly influence is the first thing that uh, grace teaches. The second thing is that we are to actively live. All right? uh, it says uh, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And, and, and that word for live, <clears throat> a lot of people just you know, read through Scripture too quickly. Um, sometimes you need to settle down and, and, and think about this for a minute. Grace teaches us to live. God wants you to live, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah live more abundantly. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, and, and, and Christianity is not about uh, being dead, sitting in a pew. Okay? It's about living. <clears throat> the word actually means, it's a very uh, dynamic word. If you look it up, it of course means to live, to breathe, to be among the living, not the lifeless. It means to enjoy real, true life. God wants you to enjoy life. Right? If you live godly, your, your life is going to be happier, more wholesome, more healthy, more happy. That's the point. It's not to make you feel sad or shameful. That's the enemy's job. Okay? God in grace delivers us from shame and sorrow. All right? Uh, and enables us to have it says, vital power. 
Uh, having this word can be used to describe having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. It means to be full of vigor, all right? Fresh, strong, active, powerful. So grace is not passive. Grace is an active influence, okay? It's, it's active. It's a force. Uh, and it calls us into an active life uh, that's strong, that's vital, that's uh, blessed. <clears throat> and so that's, that's what we're going for. By grace, we take on godly character. Okay, so we live in this, in this active, passionate pursuit of godliness, rejecting ungodliness. <clears throat> and it lists a number of things, uh, soberly, righteously, and godly. And we're just going to talk through each one of these words. Uh, soberly means moderately. Uh, obviously, it means not intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, soberly, we're living soberly, right-minded, which means not being under the influence of intoxicants, whatever they may be, ungodly influences, with a sound mind, <clears throat> thinking straight, not being under the influence of, of ungodly thought patterns, not being uh, under the confusion of, of influences that teach things that are not in alignment with the character and the nature of God. Temperate means to be, uh, I think the best way to explain that would be like to live a balanced life. You know? You just, you don't, not overboard. Uh, but you learn how to live soberly. And, and that self control is <clears throat> uh, that you have yourself under control, that you're not driven by selfish desires. But that, that's been submitted when you're living soberly. You're living a balanced lifestyle. You can enjoy good things uh, and, and recognize when things are harmful and resist them. And it's not a loss. It's like, I don't need that stuff. Righteously. <clears throat> this means with equity or equitable. It means you treat people fairly. Okay? You are just in, your, in the way you interact with people. You're just in your businesses, you're just in your personal private life, your business life, in every way. <clears throat> but I like the, the definition for righteousness in, in, in the Bible. I think the best way to describe it is living as we ought to. That's actually out of a, uh, a Greek dictionary, a lexicon. In other words, living according to the identity that we truly are and not according to the identity that the world puts on us or that we've adopted from worldly influences or living out of the hurt, all right? Most people don't live out of their heart. They live out of their hurt, okay? Because if you've been hurt, then you live fearful, you live defensive, you, get, well, you put up barriers, <clears throat> and you're constantly reacting out of hurt. And God says, no, live out of your heart. But that requires this inward journey of getting over our hurts and allowing God to heal us. So righteous, living righteously is living our true identity as a son or daughter of uh, God. And of course, godly means being devoted, uh, being passionate, being honoring to our Father uh, in every way, <laughs> reflecting His character, um, grace enables us to have the character of God 
reproduced in us. All right? So this is, a, this is vastly different from a free pass to sin, isn't it? It's the power to live like God. Okay? It doesn't mean we sit on a throne and command other people what to do. Because you know what? That's not what God does. God dies to himself and comes and serves. <laughs> All right? We, we see God when we look at the life of Jesus Christ. All right? And that we can actually live like Jesus. We can follow him. And so our activity, one translation puts it, totally committed to doing good deeds. All right? We're energetic in goodness. Another translation, zealous for good works. Righteously, zealous for good works. Grace not only, listen to this, grace isn't just about our morality. Okay? Uh, it not only frees us from ungodliness and unto godliness, it also energizes and activates us to do good stuff. And this is another sticking point that particularly evangelical churches like us in America forget. We, there's such an emphasis on not sinning or living right or knowing truth that we forget to serve the poor and the needy and the meet real needs. Uh, <clears throat> this re, this reproduce this is another aspect of reproducing. God's character in us. You know, God is not just morally good. He is morally good. Amen? Are you happy about that? But He also is constantly doing good, right? He makes the sun shine on the evil and the just. He sends us, He is good. Everything good on earth comes from our Father uh, in heaven up above, right? In which there is no shadow of turning. And so He's constantly pouring out good to everyone. And those who receive and respond then get to spend eternity with Him. And those who reject and refuse get to spend eternity without Him. So it ends up being their choice. But His choice is to do good. And we need to... Grace empowers us to do good. And, I, and the other main verse... <clears throat> this my whole sermon only has two verses in it. Can you believe it? <laughs> Titus and here Ephesians about grace. Chapter 2, 8. You all should know this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Yay, it's a free gift. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this free gift that we can't earn through works was given to us so that we can actually do the good works. Because if we didn't do them out of grace, then we'd be doing them uh, in order to earn, which would be the wrong motivation. But we do good works as a result of the grace that we've received. But if we fail to do the good works, it says that somewhere. Faith without works is what? It's dead. All right? Uh, <clears throat> to live a grace-filled life, there should be ample evidence of godliness, morality, being, uh, being pure, being just, but also goodness. You should have a reputation. Man, they're always helping someone out. You know, that doesn't mean you don't set boundaries. It's, it's right to set boundaries and say, man, you know, I've helped you out six times. You know, 
<laughs> this is how I'm going to help you out. This is how you need to help yourself out. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we have to do, right? Uh, but it should be something that is part of our life, actually doing good. Meeting. And that's why we're handing out 200 bags of groceries, right? That's why we raise money to give away to people, you know, almost, well, I think it's 1,500 miles away in Mexico, so that they can have a building so they can train pastors, right? I realized that money was hard work. No, no, no one's got money just sitting around. It's hard work. And we give it away. We've given away all these, these bags of groceries here in Vandalia and Kalamazoo and, uh, because we want to bless people. Uh, we want to say, hey, God gave us something for free. We want to give you something for free. And hopefully it gets their attention to want more of what we have to give, which is the message of truth. All right? So grace is never self-focused. It's all about, it changes us to be like God, which is others-focused. But we need to understand that we need to be changed first, that whole inward journey. And finally, it's, it's actively seeking. It's looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I like how the message translates this part of it. It says, this new life is starting right now. Everybody say, right now. Right now. Right now. Okay? This is not too many people are basing their hope in the resurrection, like the return of Jesus Christ. Like, when Jesus comes back, then I'll be free from sin. When Jesus comes back, then I'll be happy. You know, that's when glory starts. <clears throat> and if you believe that, you're misunderstanding the message of the Bible. We will definitely go from glory to glory and experience a higher uh, level of glory. But the glory that will be fulfilled then begins now. Okay? And if you're not walking in it, if you're not living it, you're not experiencing it now, maybe you haven't really realized what Jesus is bringing. Right? Just like the Jew, Jewish scholars, the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought they knew what was coming. They memorized the Old Testament. Every one of them got it wrong. They didn't recognize Jesus when He came. They actually killed Him. And God forbid that any Christian or anyone who calls himself a Christian be so convinced in their mind that they know Jesus that when He actually shows up, they don't recognize Him. Do you want to be that Christian? <laughs> so this new life needs to start now. And so it should be working and wetting your like that, wetting our appetites. It's like, wow, man, this is so good. I can't wait till the main course comes. You know, it gets us hungry for when the fullness comes. <clears throat> and we should be looking. And that word means confident expectation with patience. And patience is not idly sitting by. Patience is being persistent without changing. That's what the word patient means. I'm just going to keep pushing. And I'm not going to change because I'm, I'm, I'm consistently waiting for what I know is coming. I have confident expectation. That's what biblical hope means. <clears throat> and so it should, grace should produce in us an expectancy not complacency. And so if, if, if 
you're complacent either in your moral standards, in your daily living, or in your serving of others, in reaching your neighborhood, your nation, or the world. If you're complacent in those things, then you're lacking an essential element of grace. And it's by grace we're saved. You know, this is all integrated. <clears throat> uh, this, this is salvation. Uh, so this certainly a, a, a applies to the return of Jesus Christ, but it, it applies right now. And I believe that we're, 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 waiting, or, we're anxiously awaiting the appearing of Jesus, not necessarily just in the end time return, but when Jesus shows up. All right? When Jesus, sho- Jesus shows up in my life, when I choose not to give in to temptation and choose to resist ungodliness and seek out godliness, when I choose not to uh, uh, click on something that is inappropriate or think a thought that is ungodly, you know? Uh, great, that, that's Jesus showing up and rescuing you or I. Uh, 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 Jesus showing up every time we choose to do good at our own expense for someone else. <clears throat> Every time we tell somebody about Jesus, every time we pray for the sick, and it was so great in, in Mexico to see, you know, this one woman, an elderly woman, uh, 16 years, she had this, this, uh, this disabling pain in her knees. 16 years. And we prayed for her, and she, she said, the pain is gone, the pain is gone. And she just sat down on the sobbing uncontrollably. You know, you know she wasn't faking it, right? She wasn't just saying the pain was gone to, be, to make us feel better. She was sobbing uncontrollably. A little boy, he's probably, he was probably seven or eight, had asthma. And as I was praying for I can't speak Spanish, so I was just praying in English. And, uh, and I could, I could all, at one point, I could, see, I could feel his chest beginning to expand more. And then I actually went and prayed for somebody else, and they continued to pray for him. And I found out later, he ended up was running around uh, the building shouting because he was so excited because God had healed him from asthma. So when we pray for the sick to heal, that's what we're anxiously awaiting to see. That's what grace produces in us. Uh, every time we give sacrificially, every time we uh, seek to see Jesus manifested in any, in, in somewhere, anywhere. Finally, last verse, uh, verse 14, who gave himself the uh, for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself uh, his own special people, zealous for good works. This, this concluding phrase, I think, is a, is a great summary of the gospel. Jesus gave himself, his whole person. He gave everything he had for us, for you. And you need to... to Accepting Jesus as your Savior means that you believe this personally. That He just didn't do it theoretically. But a real person named Jesus Christ, who is God, <clears throat> God came as a person, as a man, <clears throat> in order to demonstrate God's love for humanity, but not just to humanity, but for you. So salvation is saying, I believe Jesus gave Himself for me. That's what salvation is, all right? And that redeems us. That, that, that takes us back from being trapped. It, it pays the price for our penalty. And it, it rescues us from everything lawless or destructive. And it 
purifies us. Jesus gave himself to purify us. That means everything in us that's not in alignment with his perfect will, he's able to, to, to purify. You know, he's the filter, <laughs> right? We have a Brita filter. <laughs> you know what a Brita thing is, right? You pour in water that's not, I mean, I, I have these, uh, uh, I had one, I don't have it anymore, that you can take out camping. Or, or when we went to a third world country, sometimes you can't get clean water. And like, you can pour any water through this filter and drink it. In any water, doesn't matter what's in there, completely filters it. Uh, and it clean. And so that's what Jesus does with our soul. It takes out all the impurities and he can deal with it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt him. And it leaves us pure and clean. He purifies us. And then the next thing, he equips us. It's really a re repetition of what we just, the same three things that we just talked about. He equips us zealous for good works. Uh, this is what grace-based salvation looks like. When you accept Jesus as your Lord, when you accept grace uh, as a saving work, you know, that we are saved by grace and not by works, this is what it means. Uh, so far from a free pass to sin, it's, it's freedom from sin and freedom from the consequence of sin. So let's just turn our hearts to the Lord right now. Please close your eyes in prayer.